This is an audio version of What Happens on the Average Day by Rose Hadshaw, published on the 17th of August 2022. The piece starts with a quote No man is an island entire of itself. John Donne, Meditations 17. I want to know what's going on in the world. I'm a human. I'm interested in what other humans are up to. I value them, care about their triumphs, and mourn their deaths. But there's far too much going on for me to keep track of all of it. I think that some parts of what's going on are likely far more important than others. I don't think that regular news providers are picking the important bits to report on. I would really like there to be a scope-sensitive news provider which was making a good-faith attempt to report on the things which most matter in the world. See Digression 1 later in this article for more thoughts on this. But as far as I know, this doesn't exist. See Digression 2 later in this article for some cool things which do exist. In the absence of such a provider, I've spent a small amount of time trying to find out some basic context on what happens in the world on the average day. I think of this as a bit like a cheat sheet, some information to have in the back of my mind when reading whatever regular news stories are coming at me, to ground me in something that feels a bit closer to what's actually going on. Heading. Methodological notes. Here's a list of bullet points. The first. I picked the scale of a day because it felt easiest to imagine. I think that weeks, months, and years would all be interesting scales to have something like this for. For decades and centuries, I mostly think you should just read Most Important Century. That's a link. And I strongly recommend doing so. Next point. The numbers I've used are rough, but I think they are ballpark right, and a big improvement on no numbers. Please read all of the numbers as having a tilde or an approximate in front of them, I used the most recent years I could find, but this varied, 2014 to 2022. I pulled most numbers from Our World in Data and sometimes other places. I've only put links into the text directly where the number in the text is an annual figure that you can find directly in the original source. For everything else, I think looking at the spreadsheet of my workings makes more sense than going straight to the original source. I've included a bunch of charts to give a sense of trends over time. The charts are all in years, so the numbers they are tracking on the y-axis are different to the daily numbers I give in the text. And the last point in this list? I picked some things that happen on an average day that I care about and think are important. I expect there are big gaps here, particularly where it comes to technology. I'd love for people to suggest things which should be added to this post. And there's a footnote here talking more about the focus on technology. It says, Seems like if you were only to have one number, maybe the best one to have would be something like total flops in the world today. I'm not sure this is coherent or how hard it would be to estimate. Returning to the main text, we have the next section. Section heading. Headline version. Things that happen on an average day. Almost 170,000 people die. 380,000 babies are born. Humans kill 800,000 cows, 
1.6 million sheep, 4 million pigs, 200 million chickens, and 300 million farmed fish. $263 billion is spent. 95.4 million tonnes of CO2 are emitted. Warning, these following numbers are approximately nonsense. 898,271 people fall in love. 628,350,575 people cry. Things which remain the case on an average day. 8 billion humans are alive. A quadrillion fish are alive. A thousand trillions. 550 billion wild mammals. And 100 billion wild birds. There are over 9,000 stockpiled nuclear weapons. There are around 56 active state based conflicts. A spreadsheet version is available at a link in the post, and there were also links throughout the points above. Two sources. Section heading Things that happen on an average day. Now we're breaking down all of the above points. The first heading is Almost 170,000 people die. Since 1950, this number has been up and down at around 140,000 deaths per day. Tomorrow, the number of deaths will be more than today, by around six deaths. And this number will keep growing every day for the next 80 years or so, nearly 30,000 days. On the average day in 2100, around twice as many people will die as did today. So, this is an Our World in Data graph, number of deaths per year, world. We have a dotted line up to the present year on the x axis showing the current number and the previous data, and then we have a projection. And as described above, we're currently sitting just under 60 million. The projection is that we'll reach nearly 120 million by 2099, which is the end of this graph. And the projected curve, even though it continues to increase throughout the graph, it's starting to decrease its gradient, it's flattening out. 15,000 of these people are under five years old. 5,000 of them die from diseases which are preventable by vaccines. Heading. 380,000 babies are born. This has been the case every day since around 2010, so nearly 4,500 days, and looks set to remain the case every day until around 2050, so another 10,000 days. Here's another Our World in Data graph, this time number of births per year, world. And just as before, we have the same x axis from 1950 to about 2100. We have the data up until now and then a projection. We appear to be near the peak at around 140 million. That peak is expected to last at a relatively flat line until about 2060 and then slowly start to taper off, getting down towards about 125 million by the end of the graph in 2100. Probably around 15,000 of these babies will die in the next five years. Looking just at life expectancy at birth estimates, these babies will live to the year 2093, on average. Here a footnote reads I'm not sure how much life expectancy at birth makes sense. Like, does this factor in existential risk and the probability of huge breakthroughs in anti aging? And if someone were to try to factor those things in, would they average out? That's the end of that footnote, and we return to the next heading. 
Humans kill 800,000 cows, 1.6 million sheep, 4 million pigs, 200 million chickens, and 300 million farmed fish. Here's a graph, global animal slaughter 1961 to 2020. And we see lines for cows, chickens, pigs, and sheep. The graph goes up to 1.6 billion. We have pigs increasing at much faster than other animals, starting at only around 400 million in 1962, and almost at 1.5 billion by the end of the graph in 2020. There's an interesting note here that says, chickens are slaughtered in such high numbers that to properly show them on the chart, each unit represents 1,000 animals. And indeed, the line for chickens here is the lowest on the graph and appears to be tracking approximately the same rate as cows and sheep. Heading, $263 billion is spent. That's double what was spent each day in 2005, just over 15 years ago. Footnote, can someone tell me things about when I should expect the next doubling? That is, in what year should I expect daily global spending to exceed $526 billion? Feels complicated and important. I'm ignorant about what sensible projections are and how much uncertainty there is. That's the end of that footnote. Back in the main text, there's a graph. World Bank National Accounts Data and OECD National Accounts Data Files. So we have a line here from 1960 to 2021, tracking world spending. The y-axis here isn't labelled, but it ranges from 0 to 100. And we see a gradually increasing line. Looks roughly like an exponential. It has some ups and downs as well along the way. With some little dips in 2010, roughly 2015, and 2020, before rapidly increasing to its highest point by the end of the graph. The text goes on. $26 billion is spent on health, $10 billion on education, $7 billion on R&D, $6 billion on the military, $1 billion on AI. Footnote. I got the R&D and AI figures from different sources. I expect there's some, maybe a lot of, double counting. Back to the main text. Flagging that this leaves over $200 billion spent on other stuff which I haven't found numbers for. Heading. 95.4 million tonnes of CO2 are emitted. Here's another graph from our world in data. Annual CO2 emissions from fossil fuels and industry. Land use change is not included. So this graph runs all the way back to 1750, starting at zero tonnes, goes up to 35 billion tonnes. Many listeners probably have a picture of this in their mind already. It's a very flat line, close to zero and not visibly separate from the axis until about 1850, when it starts to lift off. Obviously the data gets more granular as time goes on as well, so we start to see more ups and downs. But the overall impression is of an exponential curve, which seems to pick up especially steeply after 1950, has a few minor setbacks but continues upwards, reaching its highest point just a couple of years in the past. The graph ends at 2020 when there's been a downtick, back to about 35 billion tonnes from its previous peak of maybe 36 or 37. It's above the top of the y-axis. Heading. Warning. These numbers are approximately nonsense. They are nonsense in various ways. They each pull on one random paper I found in a popular article. Each of the papers is a small sample size study. Neither falling in love nor crying are clearly defined activities. See here for nonsense workings, that's a link, but it's probably not worth it. 892,657 people fall in love. 628,350,575 people cry. 
Section heading. Things which remain the case on an average day. Heading: Eight billion humans are alive. Here's another Our World in Data graph population projection by the UN World 1950 to 2100. Shown is the total population since 1950 and the medium variant projections by the UN Population Division. So in 1950 we begin at around 2.5 billion. The observed data continues until the present day when we're just below 8 billion. And then the projected data is a continuing increase that is slowly flattening out from this point, indicating that the line is as steep now as it's going to get, and gets less steep, though still growing until the end of the graph. Crossing 8 billion in around 2020, we're crossing 10 billion in around 2060 or just before it. By the end of the graph, we're over the top of the y-axis, probably around 11 billion. The text goes on. 3.3 billion of these people go to work. Around 990 million children go to school. 277 million of these people have depression. Heading: A quadrillion fish are alive, a thousand trillions, 550 billion wild mammals, and 100 billion wild birds. Annually in farms, there are around 26 billion poultry, 1.5 billion cows, 1.2 billion sheep, 1 billion goats. And one billion pigs. I don't think it makes sense to say that on a given day there are, say, 26 billion poultry alive, though, given death rates in farms. You'd need to do more stats to get an estimate of the number of poultry birds alive right now. Heading: There are over 9,000 stockpiled nuclear weapons, and it's been roughly this way for the past 10 years, so the last 3,650 days. Here's a graph from Our World in Data: Estimated nuclear warhead stockpiles, 1945 to 2022. Stockpiles include warheads assigned to military forces, but exclude warheads queued for dismantlement. So this is one of those graphs with a total number line, and then the area under that line broken down into separate areas, such that on any given date, it's possible to eyeball what proportion of the total number was owned by different actors. Eyeballing this graph, the number of nuclear weapons peaked at around 65 to 70,000. Just before 1990, and has been in sharp decline since then. By the year 2000, it was down under 30,000, and has continued to decrease until around 2010, when now it's only modestly decreasing up to the present day. Throughout the whole graph, the United States and Russia have been the biggest owners of weapons. Next, in terms of present-day rankings, we have China, France, United Kingdom, Pakistan, India, Israel, South Africa, and North Korea. All of which are little slivers at the top compared to the United States and Russia, which have roughly equal shares of 9,000 or so weapons, with Russia having slightly more. Another interesting observation from eyeballing this is that the United States' peak was sometime in the 1960s, whereas Russia's peak was in the late 1990s. Heading: There are around 56 active state-based conflicts as of 2020. Each day. Around 135 people are killed in these conflicts. The number of conflicts has been going up since around 1950, but deaths in state-based conflicts have declined a lot. And here are two graphs from Our World in Data. The first one is number of active state-based conflicts world 1946 to 2020. State-based conflicts are conflicts between two parties where at least one is the government of a state. One-sided violence. Such as massacres or genocide, are not included. 
So this graph ranges from 1946 to 2020, and it ranges from 0 to 50 on the y-axis. Now it's broken down by a few different types of conflicts. There's the number of colonial or imperial conflicts, there's the number of conflicts between states, then we have the number of civil conflicts and the number of civil conflicts with foreign state intervention. So for colonial or imperial conflicts, we see that we started around 5 in 1946, staying at roughly that level with some increases and decreases that are quite small, until about 1960 when we suddenly drop off to nearly zero, then increasing to about 4 or 5 again throughout the 60s and 70s, then tailing off by the mid-70s to zero again. The number of conflicts between states follows a similar pattern, starting at around 7 or 8 at the beginning of the graph, dropping off in 1960 suddenly and then increasing again, to around the same level, maybe 6 or 7 now, throughout the 60s and early 70s, another big drop in the mid-70s, quickly coming back up to a level of about 4 by around 1980, oscillating up and down by 1 or 2 throughout that period, until about the 90s when we start to tail off again, getting down to zero in the early 90s, then coming back up to maybe two or three, until the mid-2000s, dropping to zero again, and then around 2010 we have a little increase to maybe two or three, and we finish the graph at around three or four with an increasing trend at 2020. The number of civil conflicts is much larger than both of these previous ones. It starts at around 18 to 20 in 1946, starts to climb to about 30 by 1970, and peaks in 1990 at around 50, or just over 50. Then it slowly tails off to about 2010 when we start to see an increase again, so it got to just about 25 in 2010, and it's increased to about 30 now. And the number of civil conflicts with foreign state intervention has remained fairly small compared to the number of civil conflicts, but that proportion has grown such that it's at its highest proportion of the number of civil conflicts by the end of the graph. And the second graph is deaths in state-based conflicts by world region, civilian and military deaths in conflicts where the government of a state was a participant on at least one side. The data counts only direct violent deaths, that is, excluding deaths from disease or famine. So this graph is a bar graph by year, broken down by region for the bars. I'll only give broad impressions of the regional breakdown. If you'd like to look at this graph, you can do so on your phone screen if you're using a supported player, or you can look at the original post. At nearly 600,000, or perhaps slightly above, it's well above the top of the y-axis. A very steep drop in the mid-50s, and then we have spikes in 61, 71, where the spike reaches around 380,000. Steep drop again in the mid-70s. Now a big spike in the 80s, 81 to 86, at around 270,000. And then a sharp drop in the late 80s, in the beginning of the 90s. Little peak around 2001. Another sharp drop. We're now looking at levels of around 20,000, up to 2011 when we have a sharp increase again. We're ending at around 50,000 with a fairly flat gradient, having just decreased from a previous peak of around 100,000 in the mid-2010s. And we see the Middle East becoming a major component throughout the early 80s and also in the mid-2010s. And in the period of the late 40s to early 50s, as well as the period of the 60s to the mid-70s, we see that Asia and Oceania were the primary contributors to the numbers. Returning to the main text, we have a section of acknowledgements. Thanks to my modern studies teacher who helped me set up a school newspaper, Planet Press, when I was 14, to Nicole Ross and Max Dalton for helpful conversations around this post, to Sam for inspiration on one of the nonsense numbers, 
and to our world in data for the amazing work they produce. And here are those digressions that were mentioned earlier. Digression 1. My desiderata for a news provider. Here is my list of desiderata for a news provider in roughly the order of how much I want the thing. Scope sensitivity. A serious, good-faith attempt to tell the stories that matter most to the most sentient life. Reasoning transparency. Explicit about what is known, how, and how confidently. Evidence-based, links to sources, etc. In context, giving relevant and ideally quantitative context for stories, including forecasts and odds on the things in question. For example, Metaculus is at X percent that this thing will actually happen by Y date. And or similar stuff. For example, Congress has passed Z billion dollars for A. The total amount spent on A-type things each year is P, and so-and-so project that we need Z plus C if we want blah 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 to happen. And or historical trends. For example, this is double what it was five years ago. And the last point here is tone. Something about the tone not being persuasive or newsy, even if that means it's too nerdy or dry for a general audience. I just want someone serious to tell me honestly, in good faith, in a call a spade a spade way, what's going on that they think might be important. Digression 2. Cool, news-related providers right now. Worldometer, or Worldometer, shows live counts of various things. Births and deaths, expenditure, books published, water used, energy produced, some annually, some daily. Because the counts are live, it's a much better way than this post of getting a sense of something like what happens each second or minute. And I recommend checking it out. I wrote the post anyway because I wanted to pull out slightly different numbers to Weldometer. Note, I used different data sources to them, so our numbers are presumably a bit different. My only complaint about Weldometer? They give sources but not workings, as far as I could find. Improve the news pulls news stories from existing providers but gives users a series of sliders where they can express their preferences and see the stories which reflect those preferences. The main sliders are left-right for political stance and critical pro for establishment stance. You can also choose to split either of those sliders and then see the headlines split half and half across your screen, left and right or critical and pro. In my dream world, there would be a website like this but the sliders would be on complicated empirical and ethical questions. Things like, what's your discount rate? How many chicken lives is a human life worth, etc. And the news stories being drawn upon would all be reasoning transparent and high quality. This was an audio version of What Happens on the Average Day by Rose Hadshaw, posted on the 17th of August 2022. This was a narration by Perrin Walker, produced by Type 3 Audio.